We're going to read from Mark chapter 2. You can follow along if you like. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, which was kind of his hometown, he moved away from Nazareth and settled in Capernaum. It's in northern Israel. The people heard that he had come, that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. This was of a home. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Blaspheming means acting like God or saying you're God, but you're really not. They said, who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the gospel of our God. Now, can you imagine if the paralyzed man had said to his friends, I don't need you guys. I've got this all on my own. I don't need you to carry me to see Jesus. Or, or can you imagine if, I don't know how far they carried him, but halfway there, he said, Hey guys, I'm good now. I'm good now. I, I can just get the rest away uh, on my own. Can you imagine? He never, he never would have seen Jesus. He never would have been healed. His legs never would have been strengthened. He wouldn't have been able to walk home carrying his mat. His life, which was changed because he depended on others and because Jesus healed him, if he had said, no, I don't need you guys, his life would have been drastically different for the worst. It would have been, it would have been laughable. It would have been inconceivable. It, it would be like if you're watching a three-legged race but only 1.5 of the legs are actually participating in the race. Can you picture it? If you can't, just look it up. There are videos all over the internet. I'm not going to show you any. Three-legged race where you, two people tie their middle leg together and then they've got to race. People fall flat on their faces and they just give up and they lie there and then you've got like a weird zombie thing where you're just dragging the other person. It's laughable. It's laughable. And that's what it would have been if the paralyzed man said to his friends, I'm good, guys. I'm good. The paralyzed man needed those four other guys to carry him. But this is a two-way street here because his four friends and all the other people in that house and surrounding the house, they needed the paralyzed guy as well. Because if he wasn't paralyzed and if his friends whom he needed didn't bring him and lower him through the roof, those people, they would, have, they would have seen Jesus, but they wouldn't have seen God act in that specific 
way. They wouldn't have heard Jesus say what he said to the guy. They wouldn't have seen him do a miraculous thing and, and send the guy walking home. And who knows how long it had been since he had walked. Look around for a minute. Actually do it. Like Embrace that awkward eye contact and then look away. But seriously, turn around. I'm going to be like the teacher who doesn't continue until you all do it. Okay, I don't do that too often. But look around. See the people. See the people who are here. And now look in your head and see all the other people in your life. See maybe family, other family if you have it, or your coworkers if you have them, or your, your neighbor, your neighbors where you live if you have neighbors. Think about all the people you come into contact with, your, like, your garbage person, your grocery store clerk, your doctor, the person you're standing in line next to. See them. See these people. What needs do they have? And ask yourself, how can I fill the need of that person? Now, back to the story. I'm guessing most people were there because Jesus was kind of this, this good old hometown boy, and they were proud to have him back. Because if you read the beginning of Mark, you'll see that Jesus, he was out. He was, he was you know, driving out demons and slaying evil spirits. And they're probably all thinking, Jesus, you're back. You've been doing amazing things. Now what are you going to do here? And the people who brought their friend on a mat, I presume that they brought him because they believed that Jesus could actually heal their friend, which is an incredible thing to believe. Like, imagine, imagine if, if this room were full, 450 people, which is 147 more than the fire marshal says we can have. Imagine this place were packed and there were a paraplegic person up here. And then somehow God miraculously healed that person and he or she did cartwheels and back handsprings all the way out the door and you had to move out of the way or you'd get hit. Can you imagine that? that? That's what happened here. And they brought their friend believing that Jesus could heal him. And imagine you couldn't get in. Imagine you're one of the friends now. You couldn't get in, so you go up on the roof and you literally dig a hole through the roof of this person's house. Maybe you said to them beforehand, hey, I'll repair it later. Or maybe you didn't. But you dug a hole, you went to all that work, you carried your friend, you lowered him before Jesus, and then imagine Jesus looks at your friend and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. You do a double take. He says, what? Je Jesus, that's not why we brought him. That's not what he needs. He's paralyzed, Jesus. Can't you see? Like, forgive? Okay, anyone can say sins are forgiven, but Jesus, that's not what he really needs. Kind of a sidebar. This is something that we do. We think we know best what we need. And when Jesus gives us something different, we forget that he's God and our Savior and that whatever's going on in life, even if it's the worst, it can't be because Jesus doesn't love us because he literally died for you and suffered hell. But the friends, you, if you're a friend, you, you say, Jesus, come on, what are you, what are you doing? This is not what he needs. And, and then you, you see Jesus and it's almost like he can read the minds of these other people. Because there's this other group of people there, the Bible calls them the teachers of the law, who are only there because they're a mixture of jealous of Jesus and hateful towards Jesus, and they want to just get any ammunition they can to destroy him. And it's like Jesus can read their minds because they didn't say anything, but then Jesus says to them, hey, guys, why are you thinking that? 
Why are you thinking that I can't forgive sins? What would be easier? Would it be easier, he asks the crowd, for me to say, your sins are forgiven? Or would it be easier for me to tell this man who hasn't walked in however long, get up and walk? And you're standing there thinking, well, you just did the easier thing. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because it can't really be proven wrong because it's not an outward thing. It's harder to say get up and walk because if you say I have power to tell someone to get up and walk and then you tell them and then they can't do it, shows you're a fraud. So yeah, Jesus, it's way easier to just say your sins are forgiven. And then you hear Jesus say, okay, watch this. Get up, take your mat, and go home. And then he does. <laughs> and you're incredulous. You can't believe what he just did. You had faith that he could do it, but it, but it happened. And you're happy beyond belief. But then you remember the bigger picture. You remember what Jesus said. He said, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's what Jesus says, I want you to know. So one more time. Give a glance around. See these people? We sang in the last song, we are a family. Yeah? But you don't just love people who are in your family. You see these people? You see in your mind people who aren't here this morning. How can you love them? How can you serve them? Maybe it just means going up and giving them a hug. Maybe it means just listening to them talk for five minutes or ten minutes or two hours. Maybe it means you smile at them instead of avoiding eye contact. Maybe that's what they need. Or maybe you take them out to dinner or you invite them over for dinner or you say, let's grab coffee, let's catch up, let's talk. Maybe it means you fix their water heater or you rake their leaves. Those are all wonderful things. Or maybe it means you go up to someone and you say, Jesus has the authority to forgive your sins. Did you know that? He has the authority to forgive all your sins, to send all your sins away. You know the guilt that is laying on you right now that you can't get out from under? Jesus has the authority, he has the power to take that guilt and throw it into a black hole so that you can never, ever feel the weight of it on you again. Jesus has the authority to do that and he's actually done it. Because when he died on the cross, the burden of all of your guilt, and mine too, was on Jesus. And when Jesus died, your guilt died with him. That could be another thing you could do to serve someone. Because someone in your life more than likely, more than one person, but let's keep it simple. Someone in your life is depending on you to tell them that Jesus has the authority to forgive every last one of their sins. And that's what we're here for. We're here, you're, you're part of a church to carry people to Jesus. Maybe you pray for them to be healed of their physical illness. That's wonderful. That's what these people did. Maybe you carry them to Jesus also for forgiveness. And when this is working, oh man, a circle of unselfishness, it, it, it's incredible. A circle of people serving each other. Um, because that's, that's what it is, right? 
you're, you live not just to be served, actually not to be. The beautiful thing is that when everyone is serving everybody else, everyone gets their needs met. That's what Jesus calls. And when there's a group of, I don't know, what, 100 people all serving each other, it is almost the best thing. Almost. Because the good news today, it's not that you have a group of people here and out there who depends on you and that you can depend on. That's not the good news. That's a very good thing. But it's not the good news because it's not always true. Because sometimes we fall short. Sometimes even a church as a whole, we fail somebody. Or you as an individual, you fail in your ability to help. I do it too. If I haven't failed you already as your pastor, I promise I'm going to someday. Sometimes you're leaning on someone back to back and one of them gets up and walks away. Or one of them tires out and really just can't hold you anymore. And that's why the good news is not that you have each other. The good news is that you have each other to point you to Jesus. The good news is that Jesus is never going to get tired and fall over. He's never not going to be there for you. He's always going to be standing. He's always going to be there to lean on. And that's why you can and you must lean not merely on the other people God has placed in your life, but lean, depend on Jesus himself. Because he has the authority to tell someone who can't walk to get up and walk. And he has the power to tell someone who is who is torn up about their sins. He has the power to tell you, I've sent your sins away. The good news is not that you have each other. The good news is that you have Jesus. Now, it was Friday morning, merely two days ago, a little bit earlier in the morning, though. And uh, I was feeling guilty because I was. I was guilty. I had uh, I'd overpromised and underdelivered which is not a good thing to do ever. I had said to this church, hey, I'm going to this leadership conference. Every day I'm going to write a recap and send it to you so that you can benefit from it as well. And yeah, I'm, I did it, but it was like two or three days late because I had prioritized other things. Didn't do it as well as I wanted to. Some of you as individuals, I'd said I was going to do things for you, contact you, give you something. Didn't. Put other things first. Didn't keep my promise. And uh, that whole read the whole Bible in 30 days thing, which I was very excited about four to five weeks ago, and which I recruited some of you to get on board with. Yeah, it's January 26th. And I'm pretty sure that if I read the Bible every waking moment of my life, four days, I still could not finish it. Guilt sitting on me. And I was in Chicago. The conference was over, but I was with a group of five other friends who are also pastors. They're from Columbia, Atlanta, Virginia, Detroit, and Montana. And we're part of a pastor peer coaching group. It means that we call each other every week. We confess ways that we've failed, sins that we've done. We proclaim Jesus' forgiveness to each other. We hold each other accountable. We help each other set goals. And we just encourage. We're there for each other. And I was with these guys. And one of them started off with a devotion, started our Friday, which was going to be full of presentations because we were going to learn from each other. Started off our day with a devotion from Philippians, which was all about joy, 
I'm like, well, sure, joy, but also all this guilt. And then he brought out the fact that the joy that we have, it comes from the fact that our righteousness, our goodness, has nothing to do with ourselves. That we have joy because Jesus was perfectly good for us and gave it to us and now smiles on us no matter how much we've messed up because your sins died with Jesus. And then the very next thing we did, it wasn't a how-to in ministry, how to, how to talk with people, how to teach people, although we did that too and it was great. But the next thing we did was a guy led a study of Ephesians chapter 2. And the fancy word is exegetical, which just means you look at every word individually. You look at the Greek. You look at the structure, all the things that is, you know, like literature nerds look at. And we looked at it all and we saw how each of us, we started off in slavery to death and we started off dead. And then God, simply because he's so loving, he moved each of us from death to life. Totally undeserved, a free gift. We shared our sins, our shortcomings, our worries, the things on our hearts. And we carried each other to Jesus. And then my guilt left me. Not because I had carried out any of the things I was supposed to do. Not yet, anyways. But because my friends carried me to Jesus, left me at his feet, and Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. That's what you're here for. To carry each other to Jesus. And leave your fellow people, the ones who depend on you, at Jesus' feet. And then if, if they wonder, because we all wonder this, I know you do, like, could Jesus, like a guy like me, a woman like me, could he forgive me? Could he love me? Yeah, he proved it. He's already taken away all your sins. He proved it. Because he healed the guy who was paralyzed. It's way harder to do that, but he did it. It's also way harder to die by crucifixion, be buried, and then come back from the dead three days later. Jesus did that too. So carry each other to Jesus. We all depend on it. Let me pray for us all. Dear Jesus, we're all burdened by sin and guilt. We can't get away from it. We sin every single day. We try to live, well, we try to live how you want us to, but we fail. We know you've designed us to be there for others and serve them and allow them to serve us and truly depend on them, but, but we don't. We fail when we make promises. We try to exist independently instead of depending on others and depending on you. And so we simply fall down and say thank you. Thank you for coming to us and not merely giving us what we think we need in this life, but coming to us each and saying, Son, daughter, your sins are right now forgiven. Give us the peace that comes from knowing that we are completely in good standing with you, not because we tried hard or we were successful in keeping our promises, but because you have forgiven us for all the times we haven't been. Give us this peace and give us the confidence and strength to speak this peace to others.
to carry each other to Jesus, the people who are here, and to go out into our worlds running with you, our candle, proclaiming that Jesus has loved everyone else just like he's loved me. Give us this strength, Jesus. Thank you for being the candle and lighting up our world. In your name we pray. Amen.